It's a little bit of a different week, isn't it? And uh, definitely, it's been a while since I led worship and preached all in one Sunday, but uh, don't like to do it too much because I figure y'all would get tired of me if I did that. <laughs> have to hear the same guy talking, preaching, singing, the whole nine yards. Uh, this sermon is going to be a little different too, and uh, we're going to, got like a, look at this, <laughs> see if I can keep track of all this. Um, we're going to, I just wanted to share today a little bit from my sabbatical time away with you guys, and again just to say how grateful uh, we are as a family that uh, y'all would allow us that time away after we had just arrived here and uh, it was really a blessing for me and for us. And uh, so just wanted to take an opportunity today to share with you some uh, pictures, some thoughts, some reflections, uh, even some music. It's just going to be a different... I promise to keep you so busy that you won't be bored. Uh, I'll have you doing a little bit of everything. But um, like I say, a little bit different than a usual message. If you're a guest here with us today, uh, this is not the norm. But uh, we hope you, I think you'll enjoy it anyway and get something out of it. I hope that when I share a little bit about some of the stuff that God spoke to me in that time away, that it'll also speak something to you. That's been my prayer. Uh, and that it's going to be enough of a shotgun that surely something will <laughs> something will hit you. Uh, you know, in ministry... Especially worship ministry, I think even more than uh, preaching. I found that week in and week out, even if I took vacation, which I always took all the vacation they'd give me, because um, I think that's important to get away and to rest and recharge. Uh, but in worship ministry, especially, uh, there, it was so volunteer driven and so many uh, scheduling and planning that went into it that even if I was going to be gone on a Sunday, I was still working that Sunday in a sense, you know, getting everything arranged. It's kind of like those of you that we've got several teachers in the house or retired teachers. And, you know, it's almost more work to be to have a sub <laughs> than it is just to show up and teach it, you know. Uh, and so it's kind of the same way in, in worship ministry. Uh, and so you never really got a break from the creative planning that went into each week and the uh, to recharge that a little bit and so after seven years of that it was really a blessing to uh, when we rolled out of town that first I guess it was a Sunday afternoon uh, it just I couldn't remember feeling that sense of hey I don't have to prepare anything until I get back <laughs> you know and so it was really neat just to have that uh, freedom to really rest uh, another thing about ministry is Everything that you do, even in your private devotional time, gets filtered through, how can I use this in ministry? At least for me, that's the way my mind works. I don't know if it was the same for Brother Treadway and others. That It becomes this challenge to keep a, a spot that's just for your relationship with you and God and, and just for what He wants to speak into your life without having to constantly filter it through or it just happens you know you think oh I could use that in a sermon I could use that in this I could use that in this oh the church needs to hear that 
and sometimes you miss out on what you need to hear because you're so busy thinking about what other people might need to hear and that kind of thing. So that was also really neat about this time away was for me to be able to stop and say, how can I apply this in my life? What do I need to hear from God? Uh, so that was really a blessing. One day in particular, I took a, I could put this slide up, I have slides. There you go, sabbatical reflections. Uh, one day I took a, I guess I'll call it my wilderness time. We were in Angel Fire, New Mexico, and uh, it's a ski resort town, so in the summer it's a little, not quite as busy, and you can hike around the mountain, and the cabin we were in um, that my uncle let us use is right on, this, on the ski slope. It has beautiful views because there's no trees right in front of you, just a ski slope, and uh, so you can see out across the valley, and, the, um, and you also have, you can just hike right out your front door, you, know, you can just head out there and start walking, and so one day, uh, I set aside a day that I got Julie to give me permission just to head out there in the morning and not show back up until the evening. And I just took some beef jerky with me and my journal and my Bible and a water bottle probably <laughs> and just hit the trail and spent just hours out there alone on the side of a mountain. And that was a really special time. And while I was out there and I, did, I used that day to kind of do some reflection on my uh, life up to that point of my calling to ministry and how God used different circumstances and, and people even from a young age. Now looking back I can see you know, what he was up to better than I could at the time. And took some time to reflect on that and to write it down. Um, and also just to reflect on ministry in general and my ministry experiences thus far. And as I did that and as I meditated and prayed on the side of that mountain there were I, I found a little walking stick that I was taking along with me, and I kind of whittled away at it and um, made it kind of nice. It was a piece of aspen wood, and as I went, it kind of struck me there there were certain themes that were kind of had emerged already through our sabbatical and and even on that day, and I thought I would just kind of etch into the wood a few words as they came to me. And so I started out, I just etched the word rock. And this is, I'll kind of share pictures and share some thoughts and different, different things. But uh, this was, I found this little spot. I have no idea really why they built it or what it was. It's kind of like a little tree house. <laughs> it's like a platform built up into a few trees on the side of a ski slope. I don't know if they use it during ski season to uh, just take off their skis and go up there and I don't know if they have hot cocoa or what they do up there, but, but it was just this neat little treehouse kind of thing for me where I could just go up there and sit and uh, have a view and, and be all alone. And uh, saw a deer walk by at one point, and I scared up, scared up a baby elk at one point while I was walking around this little treehouse. But uh, you can actually see my little walking stick there sticking up in the middle. But uh, as I'm went through this day, one of the first word that I wrote down was rock. And I was thinking back on uh, my life, my, even the people in my family that had gone before me and lived uh, Christian lives and even lives of ministry. I thought about uh, my great-grandfather, who I called Gran, uh, who we buried on Friday. 
I thought about him when I was up there and, and just the, I've always felt kind of a connection with him in that sense, especially since I went into ministry because he was, um, you know, I didn't have, my dad wasn't in ministry, my grandfather, they were in lay ministry but not pastoral ministry, but my grand was and uh, and was a very effective, amazing pastor. And uh, so I've always looked up to him for that. But I thought about just what a firm foundation God had built my life on just in the people who had gone before me and just in what he's done in my life as a kid and um, wanted to see in fact here's where I'm going to start keeping you busy if you would uh, turn your Bible to Isaiah the book of Isaiah there's Bibles in the back of the pew in front of you uh, or maybe you have yours today we're going to go find chapter 43 of Isaiah I've got one of the few Bibles, and in my version, at least, it's page 759. But. It says... But now, this is what the Lord says. I'm just going to read the first few verses here. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let's stop there. Summoned you by name. You were mine. I just thought about, um, while I was out there and walking around here some more, you can see the treehouse better there in the bottom right. Some more pictures from our time in Angel Fire. But it's one of the themes that kind of emerged for me was just this uh, idea that God had been my foundation in my life. And I uh, wanted to read to you just a short excerpt of something that I wrote in my journal regarding this it just says after reflecting on my early years and how God used them to lay a foundation for the life and ministry I'm called to now it occurred to me that he is my rock the foundation upon which all my life my hopes my dreams my ambitions my ministry my family is built and what a firm foundation there's a hymn called How Firm a Foundation. And I just wanted to play a little bit of it for you. Like I said, I'm going to keep doing so many things up here that <laughs> keep you busy. Uh, swing this around. If you want to sing with me, you can look it up in the hymnal. Someone can shout out what the hymn number is. I wrote it down somewhere and lost it. Um, 
How firm a foundation. Anyone find that in the hymnal? As you look for that, um, just reflect on as we sing the song, a few verses of it, that um, what foundation you've been building your life on. 416. 416 in your hymnal. And, uh, you know, is God your foundation? Because you won't find a firmer foundation in this life. There's um, lots of uncertainty in this world and in this life we live. And uh, adds a lot of assurance if you build your life on the firm foundation. And I can tell you this as well. Those of you who are older or someday hope to be older, probably all of us, fall into one of those categories Um, the foundation that you build will affect the generations after you and I can tell you that after just after this weekend of uh, hearing stories told about my grand some of them I knew and some of them I didn't you know there's a few generations back from me who's who trusted in God as their firm foundation and in doing so, laid another kind of foundation, a family foundation that I also stand on and find hope in, and uh, that just built on that generation after generation in our family. It was so neat to see everything in the service, uh, that funeral service, was done by either a nephew of his who he'd poured into, or a grandchild or a great grandchild. Uh, there were a lot of people that were involved in the service and who are doing ministry in their own right now that come from his lineage. And it's partly because of the foundation that he laid. So wherever you are in life, consider that what you do and who you trust in is going to make a difference for generations after you. Let's just sing a little bit of How Firm a Foundation. Jesus hath leaned for repair. 
so sweet in there and, and then uh, hold the number for me. I wrote down all these numbers somewhere. I have no idea where. <laughs> uh, okay, the next, the next thing here. Um, my dad and I are towards the end of that sabbatical trip uh, we're still going to be, kind of, we're kind of, this is going to be confusing, but still going to talk to you about some of the thoughts that I had while I was on the side of that mountain that I etched into uh, that walking stick that I was carrying, but I uh, want to also kind of take you through uh, and maybe even use as illustrations at times some of the experiences uh, we had in this other leg of our trip where my dad and I got to go together to a place we've wanted to go for a long time, and that's Alaska. And we, neither of us had ever been there. Uh, we've both been to the uh, vast majority of the United States, and we just love to travel, and especially out west. And we're both mountain guys. We love the mountains. And uh, what a really cool experience. We've always been close, my dad and I, and so it was really neat. We've never taken a trip together like that, uh, much less to somewhere like Alaska. And so we just uh, fell in love with Alaska and and. That was actually when we arrived at about 11.30 at night and it was still sunset. That was kind of a unique experience because when we took off from Salt Lake City, it was sunset. And then the whole time we flew, we could see the sunset for about five hours out our window. It just kept setting because we were flying west and north. And so uh, when we landed, it was still setting. But, uh, and it was almost midnight and it was still setting. So anyway, we got way off on our sleep routine, but... It was good. Uh, we went and uh, drove down to Seward, Alaska. And they were having some kind of halibut tournament. And people were catching these huge fish. And that was just out, that picture of the fish was just outside our hotel door. I wasn't expecting to see man-sized fish when I walked outside the door. But uh, just a, it was kind of cloudy like this most of the time we were in Alaska. But it was really nice. It was uh, in the 60s and... Like I say, we're mountain, we love the mountains, and so it just made it even feel more mountainy to be cool weather and kind of damp, and so uh, it was really neat. That bottom picture there is uh, the Holiday Inn Express that we stayed at, and it was just right on the bay, right on the water with mountains behind it and in front of it and all around anywhere you wanted to look, and we chose the room that was cheaper because it didn't have the view, but it was the view that you would have paid for anywhere else that you'd go. It was still mountains right out our back window and bald eagles flying around and all that kind of thing. We just didn't get the bay on our side, but we could just walk across the hotel and see the bay, so it was okay. But uh, that was me on the phone with Julie. Whenever I found a cell signal, we'd call. <laughs> Check in with her. Uh, that drive down to Seward, was, we both said it was the prettiest drive we've ever taken and I talked with Pat. She took the train through there, and it was beautiful as well. I kind of cross paths sometimes, a kind of similar country. But if you ever get the chance to go out there, make sure you travel from Anchorage to Seward. It's nothing quite like it. Just 
miles and miles of mountains everywhere and ocean water and just really something else. The second word that I etched into my walking stick was trust. It really kind of flows out of the rock idea of God building on God as your rock and your foundation uh, is the fact that he's trustworthy. Uh, if you've got your Bible still handy, uh, turn with me to Proverbs. If you've been around the church much, you've probably run across this verse. My grandmother, Mimi, uh, is what I call her, Glenna Oldham. She uh, was an author for Warner Press Materials, uh, which is a Church of God publishing house and she used to do devotional things for them and including these devotional calendars she would write that she would use a scripture and, a, and a, put a thought with it and you'd have one for each day of the year and uh, on my birthday she uh, no one else knew it that had the calendar but me but she put a verse on there for me uh, that she you know wanted for my life I guess and it was this Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 it says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight Proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust him with all your heart but my whole life, on my birthday, I would read that and remember that that's what my Mimi wanted for my life, that I would trust in the Lord with all my heart. And, uh, you know, I'm, just that chance to look back and reflect over my life and over my ministry. I don't know if you've ever taken time just to think back. I know sometimes memories come to you and that sort of thing, but if you just look back over your life and see God moments in your life that maybe you didn't notice them when you were living through that season of life but now looking back on it you can say wow I can see how God had his hand on me in this situation or how he worked in this situation or how he brought that person into my life to get me to where he wanted me to be and it just makes you think Man, hasn't God proven himself trustworthy over and over and over again? If you've lived much of any amount of time, you've seen some tough times in your life. You've seen some dark seasons. And hasn't God seen you through it? And yet it seems like at each new season we hit, there's, it's hard to trust. We have to remind ourselves, you know what? He's seen us through it. He's seen us through it. He'll see us through this as well. He's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. My uh, dad and I lost our minds in Alaska at one point. And we had stopped by Exit Glacier, which it, we thought we were just going to show up and hike this casual trail about a mile and it would take us right over to Exit Glacier, big old glacier flowing off the Harding Ice Field. Um, so that was the plan. And then we got there, and you're looking up this mountain, 
And you know, right up there at the top of this mountain is the Harding Ice Field, which we had just heard about the day before. Uh, some guys talking about how it's the largest ice field in North America. It's uh, like 20 miles by 30 miles and about a mile deep, they estimate, of just ice on top of these mountains. And out of it flow all these different glaciers. There's a bunch of them that flow out of this one giant ice field. And so we're looking up the mountain. They have a trail that goes up to the ice field. And so we walked out of our uh, car with some supplies for our casual hike. A couple of water bottles. and I think it was more like a water bottle and a half. And uh, maybe some beef jerky. Always got to keep the beef jerky handy when you're in the mountains. You never know. But uh, we got over to the sign that was talking about where to go for different hikes. And everyone was saying this Harding Icefield Trail is just a beautiful trail. And, and there's great views along the way and different you know, stopping points and things. But it's just a more challenging trail. And so we kind of thought, well, why don't we just go up that trail instead. And we'll just go a little ways. And I'm sure we'll see some great stuff. And when we get tired, we'll just head back down. We don't have to go all the way to the top. So that was a poor decision in itself. <laughs> this, uh, that's the trail there on the left is where you start out. Nice paved trail. That's what we should have stayed on. Uh, <laughs> we didn't. And the trail that we went on was much more vertical. We, uh, the trail is about four miles long to the top. And... It's the longest four miles you've ever seen in your life because it climbs 3,000 feet. And constant switchbacks and stair step kind of stuff carved out of rock that you you feel like a mountain goat. So we uh, started climbing up this thing and it was just like, felt like God was giving us strength. I mean, we were just going and much further than we thought we could ever have gone and we were climbing and climbing and and the views were incredible and they kept getting better it's like you'd go another 30 minutes and the view would just take your breath away you'd go another 30 minutes and it was even better you didn't think it was possible and so it just played on our you know men sometimes we have a problem thinking oh we can do it oh yeah <laughs> and so this trail was just the perfect demise for any man so <laughs> It was, we just kept scaling and kept scaling. And finally we got to a point where Dad said, you know, I think I, I better just be done here. We found this incredible view where he was looking out over the glacier and he was uh, and over the valley. And we were, I don't know, probably 1,500 or 2,000 feet we had climbed by that point. And uh, so it was just a beautiful spot. And I should have stayed with him is what I should have done. But instead I thought, you know what, we're so close. And it looked like, when you looked up at the mountainside, you could see a trail. Just going, so gentle it looked. <laughs> and, and you could just walk lackadaisically down this trail and be at the top of the mountain. You could see the end in sight, I thought. So I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just do it. It'll probably take me 30 minutes. Get up there, back down. So I headed out, left Dad behind. And uh, it was twice as steep 
as what we had climbed. It just looked gentle from a distance. It was not gentle at all. Oh, so by the time I got to the end of that trail that I thought was the end, my legs were just dead weight. It was just, I'm not in that good a shape, all right? <laughs> there might have been a day when I was in a little better shape and could have handled it better, but uh, whew, you'd have to be like an iron man. And there were iron men climbing that thing. There were all these Norwegian people that were just like jogging up the trail, you know? But, uh, but see, what happens is you get up there a little ways and you run into someone coming back down and they say, worth it. Worth it. Just keep going. Keep going. So I got to what I thought was the end. And they said, oh yeah, just another mile. <laughs> just another mile. And then you'll see this little ranger shack thing at the top that's kind of an emergency station. And, and then just past that <laughs> is this incredible view of the Harding Ice Field. And so just kept pushing myself. Because, you know, if you go that far, you might as well just go, right? And so made it all the way to the top. I could barely even enjoy it. <laughs> you can see, I tried to put on a smile. <laughs> best I could. That's the best I could do. Uh, if that gives you any inkling, we started hiking from the lowest point you can see there, basically. At, uh, that's almost sea, it's like 500 feet, a little less than 500 feet down in that valley. And where I was standing was over 3,000, about 3,500 feet. And quite an experience. promise you I'm never going to do that again. But I'm glad I did. It's the most beautiful trail that uh, I've ever seen or heard of. And uh, just absolutely incredible. And, uh, but the real interesting thing was going back down the mountain. Because you didn't run out of breath back down the mountain. But I don't have that good of knees, and neither does my dad. And uh, we had worn him out going up the mountain. <laughs> going down the mountain was quite treacherous. Our knees were quite wobbly. And uh, I was certain that one or both of us were going to need one of those Norwegian dudes to pick us up <laughs> and take us back down the mountain. Um, and we just, the whole time going down the mountain, we thinking, we are so stupid, we are so stupid, we are so stupid. But the other thing I kept thinking as we went down that mountain uh, was literally praying, God, get us through this, get us through this, get us through this, get us down the mountain. Uh, so it was, in a very real sense, a uh, trusting God for each next step. And there were several steps that I don't know how we uh, didn't end up breaking a leg or something. But since we made it down alive and without a trip to the emergency room, we call it a good decision <laughs> that we went up the mountain and saw the, what we saw. It was definitely something we'll remember. And uh, we've got a picture of us up there at uh, 2,500 feet or wherever we were together looking over the glacier that we're going to definitely frame <laughs> and have that memory. We went up and we came down and we survived. Uh, but yes, it was definitely a lesson in trusting God for each next step that we took. And here's just something that I wrote in my journal about trust. I said, Oh, to trust His Spirit, His will, not only in the grand scheme of my life, but in the everyday, every moment, goings and doings and happenings of my life, of my family's life. It seems that much of my sabbatical thus far has focused my attention on seeking and doing His will in everything. 
trusting fully in good times and bad, in ordinary and extraordinary, at the office and at home, in the pulpit and in meetings and in ordinary conversations and visits. Just that kept coming up in the devotions that I did and everything of just trusting God in each moment, being mindful of Him, being mindful of what His what is your will, God, for me? And not just in the big things in life, but in the everyday things. What do you want me to be doing right now in my day? What do you want me to say to this person? Trusting him in big things and in small things. Did anyone find uh, Tis So Sweet? 647. Let's just sing a verse or two of that together. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know thus saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how I trust him how I proved him more and more oh Jesus Jesus precious Jesus oh for grace to trust him more you guys sing that chorus Jesus The next word that I wrote down on that walking stick and etched in there as I Reflected on what God, what God had been sharing with me through my sabbatical that, thus far, and uh, it was spirit, as in the Holy Spirit. There's just a little tiny piece of scripture in here that I ran across this week as I was thinking back over all this stuff and what I wanted to share with y'all. Acts 17, find uh, verse 27. I'm going to read 
part of 27 and part of 28, I would encourage you to go back and read that whole uh, section of scripture there, the last part of chapter 17 sometime. That's uh, Paul's speaking to the uh, unbelievers in Athens. And it's really a, a neat sermon, but this one part of what he said just stuck out to me as I thought about the Holy Spirit. And Paul, talking about God, says, He is not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being. He is not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being. You thought about that God is not far. In Him we live and move and have our being. Had this moment, you know, just sometimes I have moments, but I was on the plane to Alaska before I met up with my dad in Salt Lake City and we flew from there together, but we were in the middle of the air flying through and I'm looking at all these strangers on the plane with me and uh, just thinking about kind of that same sort of thought that he is not far from each one of us even 30,000 feet up in the air going 500 miles an hour his spirit is there in and amongst us on this plane there are There's a supernatural side to the faith that we have that we sometimes downplay, I think. At least in uh, our church group and church groups like us. We, but just in our world in general, we don't like to talk about things being supernatural. We like it to all be scientific. <laughs> we like it to all make sense. Uh, but with God, things are supernatural. Just his spirit is spiritual. It's a supernatural thing. The fact that God has given us his Holy Spirit. And he lives in us as believers. And we can ask for him to fill us in supernatural ways. To empower us to do ministry into other people's lives. No matter who we are. If we're a believer in Christ. We can do that. And his spirit lives in us and helps us and that is a supernatural incredible power unlike anything else the world knows that's at the fingertips of the believer and sometimes we just ignore that and as one of the things that I thought about that really goes kind of flows out of that trust concept again of trusting him in everything and every moment goes with that relying, learning to rely on God's Spirit in every moment, and in everything, and in every part of your life. I read this, the devotional book that I used is one that my grandmother gave me a long time ago, about 10 years ago. And it's called, uh, I believe it's called Devotional Classics. And it's compiled by an author named Richard Foster. But what he did was he went back through centuries of believers of all different backgrounds. Uh, I mean, 
way back in the day Catholics to uh, just all sorts of people. But they were all God-fearing, Jesus-believing people who uh, many of them were what we would call mystics. They, uh, some of them were monks and that sort of thing. They led contemplative lives, meditating and praying a lot. And they would write down these sometimes their own prayers, sometimes uh, just thoughts for the church. Sometimes they would just journal, and later, centuries later, we have their works published. Uh, most of them are works that I wouldn't just pick up and read for leisure reading, because they, you know the language in centuries past is sometimes hard to charge through and press through. But the neat thing about this devotional book is that the editor has already searched through all this stuff, and he's pulled out nice-sized chunks of these people's finest work and just put it there and made it so accessible. And he pairs it with scripture and uh, has reflective questions for you and that sort of thing. It's definitely not for the faint of heart. There's a lot of it that you really have to, you just kind of have to read it and let it soak in. In fact, the idea is that you kind of live with each chapter for a week. But on this uh, sabbatical, I did more of a day-by-day kind of thing with it. And I looked at uh, a lot of what they had to say about prayer and a lot of what they had to say about a spirit-led life. Uh, So it was a theme that kept coming up for me. Some of the things that I read uh, about God's spirit and about living a spiritual and spirit-led life, um, there was a guy named Ignatius of Loyola. How about that for a name? Ignatius of Loyola. You know you're an antique dude if you're if you have a name like Ignatius of Loyola. Uh, he talked about spiritual desolation. Seasons where you go through your life and you don't feel close to God. Seasons of doubt. Seasons of uh, just spiritual frustration. He called it spiritual desolation. And he said there's three causes that can lead to those seasons of spiritual desolation. And the first is just laziness or negligence in spiritual disciplines. The, you know, that's on us. A failure to pray as we should, to read God's word as we should, and so forth. The second is God testing our spiritual progress. See how we respond when he backs away some and we don't feel his presence so much. And the third is to humble us with the realization that spiritual health does not lie within our own power, but is a gift and a grace of God our Lord. That was a quote from him. It's a gift and a grace of God our Lord. There is no magic formula that we can do to feel extra close to God. There are disciplines that we need to practice, but we have to remember that those those special seasons in our spiritual life as we feel close to God... And the things that God grows in our lives, those are gifts from Him. They're by His grace. There's nothing that we can do to conjure up a nearness to God. But we can strive to draw near to Him. And His Word says that He'll draw near to us. So I thought on things like, uh, like that. Catherine of Genoa was another person. I love this quote. She said in a prayer that she wrote, 
I do not want to turn my eyes from you, O God. There I want them to stay and not move, no matter what happens to me within or without. This is what I wrote in my journal entry regarding this spirit-led life. So this has been the ultimate theme of this sabbatical and really the last year or so of my life as I've really sought to learn about the Holy Spirit. And now I'm being challenged to live in and by the Spirit constantly. He is constantly present, but my awareness and certainly my reliance is not so constant. Oh, to be rooted in Him like a tree beside water. Oh, to know Him intimately and to serve Him wholeheartedly and all the time. Some of the guys that I read their journals, they, they were monks. And their whole goal was to rely on God and His Spirit in every single moment, in every single activity of their day. Perhaps some of you may have heard of Brother Lawrence who wrote the book, Practicing the Presence of God. That became a popular devotional book in recent years. But he's one of those first ones way back hundreds and hundreds of years ago that he was the cook in a monastery. And whether he was washing a pot or stirring soup, he tried to make each action just a moment of prayer, a moment of living in the presence of God, an act of worship to God. And... uh, Boy, I've got a long ways to go on that one. But just thought, you know, how powerful if we lived each moment, each day, trying to rely on God's Holy Spirit. I'm going to skip that next song because I've taken up too much of your time already. And we're just going to go to the last um, the last word that I etched in on there. And then we'll I'll sing one song to close things up and... The last word I wrote down was love. And first, you don't have to look this one up. 1 John 3, the very first verse says, Look at how great a love the Father has given. That word can also be translated bestowed or lavished. Look at how great a love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. Look at how great a love. There was a one line that I read in a different book said, uh, asked me to ask this question. And maybe you could ask it now too. Have I allowed myself to experience the joy of being loved by God? Have I allowed myself to experience the joy of being loved by God? When uh, we were in Denali, we got to see a bunch of wildlife. That's uh, some of the bears that we saw and a moose that was right beside our bus as we drove through Denali and uh, caribou there. Um, But what we didn't see much of was Mount McKinley, which found out, I don't know if you can read this graph or not, but July, it's not visible at all, 57% of July. It's totally visible only two days in July. (laughs) So I counted myself blessed that by the end of the day I got to see a little bit of it. Um, 
I was in the minority of people who come in July. But as we started out, it's just clouds. Now those mountains that you see in the front are good mountains in their own right. Those are mountains that you would definitely call a mountain and they could belong in Colorado in the Rockies or anywhere uh, you'd want to know but or go. As we went though, the clouds would clear a little bit more and we would see just glimpses of more mountain up above. Now keep in mind, I'm saying those mountains at the bottom of this picture are huge mountains. It's hard to gain the perspective, you know, but we're seeing glimpses of mountains like way up above the big mountains. And so it was pretty exciting. And as we wrapped around, you'd see a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And this, uh, you can see little specks of gray right in the middle of the picture. It's really hard to take pictures out there with the clouds the way they were and have them show up right. But that is... Um, most of the north slope, which is the slightly shorter slope, uh, I mean, uh, summit, the north summit. There's a north and a south summit of Mount McKinley um, that are 20,000 feet up in the air, and they rise from practically sea level. And so that, you know, you hear about Everest being the highest, it's the highest in altitude, but from base to top, uh, McKinley is either the highest or tied. It's hard to measure, so they're not exactly sure, but it's extraordinary. It goes up some 18,000 feet from base to the top. That's like three and a half miles or more. Just up. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, the experience of winding through that road and the clouds parting a little bit more and parting a little bit more. I think I shared about that a little bit in one of the emails that I sent out while I was gone. But I really thought it applied here with, with God's love too. Because as we go through this faith journey. I feel like we constantly have to grow in our understanding of just how much God loves us. There's that initial moment when you come to faith in Christ where you realize, wow, God loves me. He gave his life for me. As you go on in faith, you have to be careful that that's not all that you ever realize of God's love. It's the people who that's as far as they realize God's love, then their faith becomes something stale as they grow older. I wrote down in my journal, I truly believe that the more I grasp Him and His love, the more my life will be transformed to His likeness, the more I will experience the utter joy and release of worshiping Him. When we glimpse a little bit more of that mountain of God's love, each new glimpse, each new turn, releases in us just this desire to worship Him more, to be loved by Him more, to follow in His steps more. I don't know if that makes sense, but when you, when you grasp a little bit more of just how much God loves you, it makes you want to live for Him all the more. So that's really the last thing I wanted to share with you. Uh, and I'm just going to play the, a little bit of the song and just invite you to even close your eyes for a moment as I sing this and just contemplate how much he loves you and I hope that that leaves you with a great sense of joy but also a great sense of purpose as we leave this place today thank you for letting me share with you 
some of my thoughts and reflections.